All right, do we have any other shows other than what is listed? No. Uh, God, I watched more TV than you can imagine this week, and I uh, can't think of anything. Okay. I watched a bunch. Well, actually, well, I, I did I watched Hellbound. S- you did? All I of did. it? Uh-huh. What'd you think? I liked it. Not, yeah. not nearly as much as Squid Game, but I liked no, it. No, it's not as good, but it's good. I'm enjoying Dr. Brain more, but I'm... I, I was thinking about it earlier, too. I genuinely can't tell if it's a show that you would like in that in the sort of, like, La Brea battiness, or if it's so weird it's going to... Or if it crosses the weird line and it would be, like, the anti-Dustin show. Like, um, it's just because sometimes you're... you're your Dr. threshold Brain? for weirdness. Yeah, Dr. I mean, Brain. I know. The weirdness, though, has to also be, like, really popular, mainstream popular. Or it doesn't feel good to me. Oh, but I can't... Dr. Brain does not fit into that category. You don't think so? You watched it? I never heard of it, therefore... I literally talked, talked about, about it last week. We talked about it on the week. podcast. God damn I, it. <laughs> other than from you. Oh, my God. Don't it's other than from It's on Apple TV. You. That's, like, it's your favorite just... network. It's on what? Apple TV. <laughs> All your favorite shows are on Apple TV, Dustin. Dr. Brain? Oh my god, we talked about it last week. Dr. Brain? Oh my god. Uh, did you really? Did you really forget the show existed? Yes. Oh my god. Which is strange because I, I I put uh, Hit Monkey on my to watch list last week, so I remember that. Being did you watch it? it. Uh, no, but I had plans to. I, there was just so much with because I watched Outbound because of you, and then uh, the Great is on, and it's. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then all the regular TV and the Yellowstones and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On that note, welcome to another episode of Podjiba, the Pajiba television podcast. Uh, I am Pajiba comedy editor Dan Hamamura, uh, an increasingly misleading title, I'm now realizing. Uh, with me, as always, are Pajiba managing editor Tori Preston. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tori. Uh, Pajiba's resident Tom Wamsgan's Dustin Rolls. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> and uh we are joined by a special guest uh we, we we tried to get him on earlier it didn't work out uh cord lasselton aka thor Benander, is here Woo-hoo! Yay! <laughs> uh special Thanks, guest man. uh there might be there might be reasons why that you'll discover uh in like a month but <laughs> uh for the time being he's here he's gonna he's gonna try to explain wheel of time to us uh Failed nerds, I believe, is what he called it, or, or whatever. Something he he he's very disappointed that we're not watching it, uh, and we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but before that, what's everybody drinking? Uh, Thor, please start us off. Well, I I am not a uh, a big drinker, so I was trying to channel a little bit of Dustin, and uh, I just so have got a nice three drinks. I, yeah, I have, I have a. <laughs> Eleven drinks lined up in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just have a, a coffee with little Bailey's in it. That's all. Oh, that's good okay. stuff. That's good stuff. That's so classy. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin, what about you? Well, I knew that uh, Thor was coming on this week, so I wanted to. I specifically sought out a beer that looked fun to talk about, and uh, I had no idea if it was any good or not. It's uh, called uh, Rogue Bat Squatch. 
uh, one more time. Rogue Bat Squatch. Bat Squatch. Bat Squatch. Like so a like Sasquatch, Sasquatch, but like, with yes, a bat? Yes, yes, yes mm-hmm. exactly. And it's got like comic book illustrations. And um, there's a story about a Bat Squatch, the myth of the Bat Squatch living on Mount St. Helen. And, he, and many people have seen him, but uh, the details are always hazy. And this particular beer is a hazy India Pale Ale. And do you like it? You know, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. But this is like the this this is the this is not a regular bat squat. This is the one that went rogue against yes his I, or her. I guess so. Uh, yes, got fed up in the in the bat squat squatch <laughs> clan yeah. and fucking hit the road on his own. Yep, that's good. Rogue bat squatch. I like it. I didn't know that you drank IPAs. Well, I did neither, but I keep drinking them, and then. <laughs> Tori explained to me that uh, IPAs and pale ales were the same thing. I was like, I like pale ales, but I didn't know that I liked IPAs, but they're the same fucking thing. Well, no, they're not. They're, well, they're IPAs similar. The more, yeah, they're, it's the next generation. It's the next step. <laughs> it's been rotting longer in more bitters. It's fine. But yes. <laughs> this, pair, this beer also pairs well with white cheddar, grilled salmon, and uh, strawberry shortcake. That's don't none of Which, those. Is have that the traditional to... meal of the bat squatch? I, I have no idea. It just says that on the can. Okay, but okay. So normally when you're doing flavor pairings, don't they sort of have something to do with one another? Like strawberry shortcake, white cheddar, and smoked salmon, did mm-hmm. you say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just such a that's like saying the beer goes with whatever. I thought you were describing <laughs> what you had for dinner tonight. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Like, it uh, tells you nothing about the flavor profile of that beer because it's like it could, it literally could just complement whatever you have in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's like a mild IPA. I pictured a bottle, so I'm really happy to hear that it's in a can. It is in a can, really, yes. Yeah. I'm impressed that you picked something that had comics on it. Well, I wanted to impress you all. Oh, it worked. Yeah. And yeah, I, it was no, a big risk. Accomplished. It's weird that you're, you're, really gussing it up when uh, Thor is here. That, that's, yeah. that's true. Oh, we understand. I, I did want to mention that I was in Vermont this weekend and uh, at my sister-in-law's and they had many uh, kinds of beer that had uh, coffee and syrup in them. Several types, eh? Yeah. Did they, you try them? No. <laughs> no. What do you mean no? It no. was your perfect opportunity. But it's syrup and coffee and alcohol. It is great. Did you try? Did they have the maple breakfast out? They didn't have maple breakfast out now. Well, then they have obviously inferior maple coffee beers. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> they know. didn't have the the key. I drank a lot because they are very fancy beer people, and they they always come in the big bottles. What are they called? Uh, like the really big bottles. Yeah, the big bottles. Yeah, they all they all come. Oh, in the, the fresh. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we just drink i don't know how much that makes it even easier then you can just pour a little little taste i could but i don't want to taste that um so there's a so you know how they fill growlers right like it's you it's fresh from the tap like you go to a a tap Mm -hmm. room and right so there was a spot in burlington called the growler garage and it wasn't a brewery it was literally just they had a bunch of taps and it was where you would go to and all they would do is just fill a growler for you. That sounds amazing. It was well, it was until they closed it down, and then that office space 
is what Mike Bloomberg rented when he wanted oh to God. campaign him. That was his Burlington office, which was also funny because, like, why are you campaigning in, in Vermont? Like, right. you, nothing was going to happen. But it was like an extra kick in the pants that I was like, wait, he took got the, the growler he took the growler garage. God damn it! Like, if, unless I can walk in and get a growler filled, like, uh, he would have paid for you to do that for his vote. I mean, it wouldn't have worked, but all, I mean, like the poor guy, like you come to the land of Bernie Sanders and try to open an office in the beer garage, like, come on. Anyway. Uh, Tori, what are you drinking? Um, I got my monkey shoulder whiskey mm. uh, and I'm putting it in and I'm mixing seltzer in it because I'm trying to make, I'm trying, <laughs> I need to make this last. I got to stretch. Uh, okay. Makes sense. You know. Uh, I am actually not stretching. I am finishing up the uh, the magic bottle of Jura in the magic whiskey cabinet. Has uh, it's at the end, so <gasps> I'm uh, I'm gonna finish it up tonight and then put it back in the cabinet and see if it refills. Oh yeah, yeah. If it yeah, the fairies won't come to refill it until it's empty. Yeah, it's got to be completely empty. Yeah, so. bone dry. So that's. Uh, Thanks for going out of your way, Dan, to to really yeah. dazzle me with something on my one trip. <laughs> wow, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even here Dustin to... <laughs> figured out a way to leftover beer. I'm yeah. not here to to you know impress you. You're you're barely drinking, so that no, that's true. I that's true. I'm but barely is delicious. Well, we don't know that. We don't know what the percentage of you know Bailey's to coffee is. Wait it's about half second. and half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually doing better. Just the way Dustin likes it. Oh, well, there you go. No, I hate the idea of maple uh, uh, <laughs> maple coffee alcohol, and yet the idea of putting Bailey's in coffee with a little maple syrup sounds amazing. <laughs> well, so there we found your gateway. We mm. just oh do that, and then I'm just going to, and then you start adding beer to it, and then next thing you know, you've got a maple breakfast out. Is it like fizzy beer with like a head and everything? I'm like, oh, that just doesn't doesn't sound right. Are you playing with a rain stick? <laughs> is that a didgeridoo? <laughs> what is the noise? That... Yeah, that. That. Well, now it stopped. I think it's like anytime Dustin moves. No, I what? Yep, there it is. Yep, there it is. <laughs> You got your what? rosary beads <laughs> clacking. I'm moving. Yes. <laughs> is that it? Yep. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> what is it? It's just much air. Oh. But I can't hear it because I have headphones on. Mm. Like the yeah. noise canceling. All right, so you got to so you've got like an hour just don't move. Yeah, All sit right. very very still. Just yeah. Oh my god. Now you already failed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that Sorry. explains. This that actually a great solves episode. that mystery. Thanks for I having me, like, everybody. I feel like that's. I've he's heard in, that before. What we didn't know was that he's in a beanbag chair. Right. Oh, that would explain some things. <laughs> it's just styrofoam balls just squeaking <laughs> together under him. Dustin, this is why you get the filter named Male Narrator Noisy, in case you wonder. <laughs> Dan and I get the filter completely normal people. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll try to figure that out. We'll do better next time, but it's already too late now. Dustin's going to sound like what? that. So, What? I just not, yeah. Next time, I just I guess we'll find a different place to sit. <laughs> we will fix your microphone another day, 
115 episodes in. <laughs> but, but now it's time for us to move on to a brand new segment. Who knows how often it'll come up, but at least for today, it is called Thor Tries to Explain Wheel of Time. <laughs> so it's where our guest, Thor Benander, uh, chastises us for not watching Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime, and, uh, and then we... Uh, I don't know, probably make fun of him or something. But oh, Thor, God. please, take it away. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> this, this is a... T- <laughs> I'm only... I guess it, they, they dropped the first three episodes, I don't know, last week. And uh, so I'm on episode four. It's a, it's a fantasy series that... Um, I never read the books. Do any, any of you read the books? No. 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 Um, is okay. anyone named Laird's? It's... Laird's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never read that book then. No, nope. <laughs> you have read a book where someone is named Laird's. No, I would never read a book where someone is named Laird. But oh, how, okay, fa- okay, how yeah. far into the book would you have to get for the name to turn you off? Like, what if he was a character that was introduced like three quarters of the way through? Would you drop it immediately, or would you keep going? Because by then you've already bought in. I don't know, man. That's a tough call. Right. All right, so um, here, let me let me give you the plot. The plot is is there's a dragon reborn, okay? Like a literal one? Yeah, a dragon reborn. This is what we know. One, it's in a human form, I guess. They don't really say whether or not like, it's a physical dragon, but it's like the the human a, one of uh, a person who is somehow in their twenties uh, is is the dragon reborn. The first dragon broke the world, and this this new one is supposed to save it. Um, there's a Sauron-like dark one, which we haven't seen yet. Um, and we have Rosamund Pike's amazing face. She's a really serious sort of... She is a good draw, yeah. Yeah, no, she, no, she, no, she's really good. She's really good, and she's, she, I, I can watch her all day long, and, um, she's great. Uh, there's something called the Aes Sedai, which is a, 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 a sect of... Magic using women. I'm pretty sure you're making shit up right now. <laughs> this is what I, this is what and and they are looking for the dragon. It's one of five people, uh, one of whom is like sort of a young Hayden Christensen. And there you have it, the Wheel of Time. Has anyone mentioned that the Wheel of Time is just a clock? <laughs> yeah. It's a show about a clock. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, he watches the Time Hole show, so like I don't that's really right. know. Mm. And now uh, this is a series that's based on books that are were kind of like like this, this is one of those series that people are like, oh, you can't adapt it; it's too vast, right? I believe so. Yeah, beloved okay. series. You know, there's a lot of these. What was the one on Netflix? Shadow and Bone was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. Okay, it so wasn't this, as vast. Yeah, I did not like that, but but uh, but um, yeah, it no, didn't no, have I, a Laertes in it. <laughs> it did not. It, it was just a dearth of Laertes. Um, but yeah, no, no, this is. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's four episodes in. I like the. I like fantasy. I'll watch anything fantasy. So it's it except was, for it's, Shadow and Bone. No, no, I watched it. I I reviewed it. It was it was fun. It was okay. It's just like that's like real Chronicles of Shannara kind of. Yeah, yeah, it was young adult. So you're saying like Ben Barnes and a goat doesn't equal Rosamund Pike in a dark wig? <laughs> no, oh God. Listen, there is a character. Actually, I got to be honest. There's a character play, uh, played by Daniel Henney. Uh, the character's name is 
Uh, I gotta look it up because I don't know how to pronounce it. Land Mandragon or something like that. Like this but guy he's, is even he's a not, samurai. Wait, but he's like, not he's like sort of a wandering samurai dude. But he's not the dragon. Is no, he the no, dragon reborn? Man, I'm saying his name wrong. Um, Land something. Uh, no, Mandragoran. Oh wow, Mandragoran, an attractive man. I'm telling you, this guy is is captivating. You, you, like you know when you see a show and you go, oh damn, there's a, this guy's a star. He he yeah. is he is. They haven't given him a lot, so I can't say for sure whether or not, like, acting-wise, he has the chops. But I know that he's fantastic to look at, and he, has done, he hasn't done a single thing to, to make me think he doesn't have chops. So, Ooh. yeah. And there's, and there's some really good people with a lot of good, a lot of good faces. Uh, the dude that plays <laughs> Bruce Bolton. You know when you get, like, there, there's, like, a bad uh, sort of sorceress with like yeah. the biggest cheeks and jaw on a woman you've ever seen, it's just such a cool face, like very Fellini esque, sort of splayed face. That's just kind of awesome. Yeah, it just works. So it just works. So it's like really good casting. The Bruce Bolton is on the show too, but only for blinking you miss him. Yeah, I'm mostly just confused at the idea that people didn't know who Daniel Henney was. Is that is that I, a thing? I did not. No. Did you know who right. he was, Tori? Mm, no. Dustin, hmm. he's been in so many CBS procedurals. You should, you should. I don't want CBS procedurals. Sure, you do. I, he was I, in, I, he was in Revolution on NBC. I that was like Revolution. the big, I did big budget. Uh, uh, well, look, uh, the, the, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything uh, out of school, but but the Asian community has been aware. So. Oh well, <laughs> I hear that. I understand why. He's a very attractive man. So is Rosamund Pike a magician? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no, she's so really ev- good. Does everyone in it do magic, or not everyone? Uh, no, but you know what? There were some high budget like effects that were pretty cool. There are these like bad guys called Trollocs, and they're pretty cool. Like <laughs> it's like half troll, half I don't know, sort of goat legged. They're they're Ooh. like all different. There are all kinds of horned up and crazy and. It was, it was pretty cool. It was, and you know what? Everybody always gets this wrong in fantasy. It's like if you have like a big battle, uh, like where you, where you have like let's say you have a village and then the bad guys are rushing in, um, they always get like the balances wrong. Where it's like, oh, there's, it feels like, oh, they're overwhelming the whole village with three guys. But this one was like, oh no no, there's like wave after wave after wave. Every time you think like. Oh, we made it. Like, we killed those 11 bad guys. Yeah. Then you look on the horizon, there's 300 more coming. So you really get the sense, like, oh, this is not winnable, which is a really good thing when you set stakes on a show. So, listen, I'm really enjoying it. I am more intrigued now than I was before. Rosamund Pike. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only words I heard. Rosamund Pike. We know that you don't always listen. (laughs) (laughs) And clock. I think I heard someone say clock. That was you, Dustin. Oh. You that was clock. you. Said. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> Maligning the show from afar. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks. No, my, my pleasure. Like, my pleasure. Do we all I'm need real, to go around and on. say that we're sorry for not having watched it already and disappointing you? I, will I am. I am apologize. never. I would never ever be disappointed in anyone on this podcast except for Dan. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you you go at the you. you Aim for the head. You know. <laughs> oh, oh, Dan's our boss not now. Miss. <laughs> uh, Spectrum original, everyone. Spectrum originals, great. 
wonderful television, our favorite, <laughs> best, best of the year. Um, Is that when the clock show airs? No, it's on Amazon. <laughs> oh, it's on Amazon, yeah. yeah. But I'm they sure dumped a lot of money has, into it. I'm sure Spectrum has something that will make Wheel of Time look like a clock. Well, here's the thing. It will come thing. out any day now and it'll star Josh Hartnett. I, I get my Amazon on uh, Spectrum Internet, so it's kind of being delivered by Spectrum, if you think about it that way. Mm, mm. They take credit for it. Um, before we go on, I want to point out that there's like a thing going on where um, there's so much high budget like production value out there, which is like crazy. Like when you look at, I know I've been listening to you guys talk about Foundation and Invasion, um, and you're, you're talking about shows that are just like completely like Foundation is, is beautiful to look at, and people can say stunning uh, whether you know yeah it's stunning and right. and. Whether or not it, it, it actually works is a whole other conversation. Um, it sounds like, if I remember correctly, Dustin, you're caught up on Invasion, but nobody else is. Is that right? That's right. They don't watch it. They just want to know if there's an alien on it yet. And there, ha- there is. I, I, hear, I hear you say that every week. It's episode two. Is there an alien yet? No, not quite yet. <laughs> no. It was episode six, for the record, yeah. when the, alien, <laughs> the first alien showed up. You're saying um, maybe it was mistitled. But I liked Foundation more than... Okay, so a couple of things. Um, Tori pointed out how happy she was on Foundation that the Huntress got killed. Um, do you remember that, Tori? Yes. I'm, I'm gonna, I, you may be... I'm, I may, <laughs> might refresh your memory about certain things you, you have forgotten. But that <laughs> was, the, that was it, yeah. such a great point because I almost think that... Not, not necessarily the act, actor herself, the actor but, the pl- but the plot line. No, oh, I, I don't know if she was... She was oh, I don't know. She didn't have a lot to work with, but yes, I, I feel like the there was this thing where it's like, and it's Apple TV Plus. They're trying to be prestige TV. This is like a huge, huge production, and and you start out and you're like, whoa, damn, the Gale character. You're like, well, this is like, uh, you know, this is like a pretty high budget deal. And then something about it with the Huntress and I forget the name of the people. It felt like a little like Deep Space 90 or something. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Hey, this, this feels like it took a little tear down. Yeah. Yeah. The I warring think. factions and like, they're not really, they're very, they fall back on a lot of cliches rather than actually being like sketched out really well. And she was, I, I agree. I think the actress was really good. I think she didn't have good material. And I think like, because her entire character was just being an annoying fly in the ointment who's super aggressive and is making everything worse. And so it's like, Right, and they call out like that she's kind of one note, like like yeah. I forget like Saldor or, or uh, sorry, not Saldor. What's the um, character? No, I, yeah, but no, but she yeah she was even, she's like, like there's nothing all, behind her eyes. Yeah, yeah, and then well, and even even like as soon as she dies, and her her like lieutenant is just like yeah, no, I'm kind of thankful. Like <laughs> yeah, that was, was cool. Yeah, like, her she was leading us around. I was like, whoo. Yeah, no, it's fine. I like <laughs> literally gives her killer. The, <laughs> the like the her bow, bow. That... <laughs> the bow that killed her. Like no, oh, we're geez. all happy you killed her. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's Ooh, cool. Man. Like I really appreciate. it. I was gonna have trouble doing that, so thank you. Oh, yeah, um... so that was that was interesting. But I but on with regard to invasion, Dustin has in my from what I hear on the podcast, Dustin likes invasion way more than Foundation. Is that right? That is correct. He doesn't like uh, a lot of fantasy though, and sci-fi. That is right. well. Well, I, fantasy I really don't like. Sci-fi is you know hit and miss. Has he seen Snow Crash? 
<laughs> he's Sorry. read it. He's read it. I, I, uh, 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 I, there's a, um, the character, uh, the army character uh, on Invasion who was out, um, you know, in, in Kabul or whatever and, and yeah. sort of, it might be my like least favorite drawn character I've seen in a long time. Like I, I want to love that guy because he's got the best face and the best eyes and cool facial expressions, and they keep the way they write him is so like oh god like when he points the gun at those people remember that when he's like the yeah. guy that he sort of bonded with but he was such a jerk and it's so like hyper American you know what I mean like like you know screaming at everybody with a machine gun pointed in their face and I was like oh god this is so hard to watch I, um, I get that yeah um, he, yeah he's got Jesse Martin eyes oh. He's a, he's a handsome man, too. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got. They're handsome. Man. Well, do you have like one of the? Are you more invested in the, in the, in the, in the, the woman whose husband was cheating on her, or are you more invested mm-hmm. in the kids? Or uh, I think him, and then the woman whose husband cheated on her. Um, I have a question actually about this, and maybe you know the answer. Uh, when that woman. Uh, the only person who has managed to kill an alien uh, did it. She found something in her car and stabbed it to death. And what the hell was that thing that she found? It was like a little piece of meteorite that the the sun... Remember the sun walked off and he found something? It must be like a... I don't know. something. I don't know. I thought it was like a meteorite shard or something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. I I had no idea what that... And and it's apparently important now. Yeah. Yeah, no, apparently, yeah, it seems very... Oh, oh, the, the, the Japanese um, subplot. I think it's great. That's the one I like yeah, the best. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. I like them all. I think it's a great show. Oh, that's and, good. And we're sure there are aliens. Yes. <laughs> that was the funniest thing, Tori, every week. Are we sure this isn't Russians? <laughs> I it could be Russians. I still think it could be. Like, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but... Also, I don't know. I, I will trust you, Thor. No, no, I like that more, you're carrying a torch for this. For more this. than it's I really trust good. Dustin. Well, that's, that's a very wise decision. Definitely more trustworthy than Dustin. Yes. Oh, man. Well, I don't make up shows about layering. <laughs> what is, you just, this name, why are you stuck on this yeah, name? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually understand it either. <laughs> Wait, I see that, a lot of recaps. Oh, okay, got it. And that's the point. It's like nothing that he says. It's just literally like, I don't believe that name. Not like, right, I don't believe right. dragons. Well, I don't believe half the words that are written on those recaps. It's just made up shit. <laughs> <laughs> made up shit written on Pajiba, a wonderful pop culture website <laughs> that you should all read. <laughs> that's got to be the new, I got to make that shirt. Pajiba, <laughs> made up made shit. Up shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. <laughs> um, well, so if we're talking about kind of sci-fi and fantasy, can we talk about the end of Cowboy Bebop? Did you, Thor, were you, did you watch Cowboy Bebop? I, I have not. It's a little bit outside my lane, but I'm um, just reading all the, you know, whatever else is, is how everyone else is reacting to it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm anxious to hear, I'm excited to hear okay. what you guys have to say. And Dustin, you haven't watched yet, I'm assuming. No, no, he will never watch. Well, I I mostly wanted to talk about it because it was like we were sort of you know talking about the the faces or the actors or the the, the people that kind of get you into these kind of shows. Mm-hmm. And Cowboy Bebop dropped my biggest sort of 
uh, sci-fi fantasy actor credential. Like you can have <laughs> That's the, mo- right. the most basic ass show. And then if you drop John Noble into it, mm-hmm. I'm in like, no matter what, if John Noble shows up, I am a happy camper. And so Cowboy Bebop did that. <laughs> and he, he shows up in, I think, like two episodes. The first time you see him, he's killed. And then there's like a flashback the next episode. Right. Um, so he's only in two scenes of oh, the I, show. I guess he was technically in that scene early in the first episode, but like he's masked. So. He's masked, yeah. And so like unless you recognize his voice, you have yeah. no idea. That and he, sound, he, had like a, he was putting on kind of an odd voice, at least yeah. in that scene. I'm still not even convinced that was, I mean, I'm sure it was, but there was no way at the time that you would know it was him. Right. Um, And so I had this conundrum when I was watching it because it was like, you know, you're getting, it was kind of in the the last stretch of episodes. So it was kind of when the show was really like finding its footing. And I Mm -hmm. did think it got better toward the end uh, with some qualifications on that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But, but yeah, so like John Noble shows up and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, like I love this show now. Like it doesn't matter. I don't even care. Like love this show. And then they kill him off like immediately. And I'm like, I, maybe I hate this show. Like it was just emotional whiplash entirely tied to this one actor, which is a me problem. I fully understand that. Right. Um, I, I I I felt manipulated. I liked I, I like to think that uh, that John Noble got paid a ton of money to work for three days. Yes, and, and he deserved it. Yeah, and he was just like, "Hey, what if I just just show up for a couple of days and hang out, and, and you can yeah. stab me?" And that's yeah, fine. just stab me a little, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and once again, as as he often does, he played a creepy father. Yeah. That uh, poor man, just typecast as a creepy father. Which he did well in his limited screen time. Yes. Um, so how did you feel about the uh, ending, Dan? Well, I, so, I still enjoyed it overall. I think I probably had a more positive experience than uh, the average viewer. Um, and I've seen, I've seen the whole anime. Uh, I didn't, I'm not as... Uh, uh, like I didn't rewatch, you know, right before the show. I I think I'd planned to, and then just didn't have time. Um, and and it's not even my favorite uh, uh, of uh, Shinichiro Watanabe's work, so it's not like it doesn't hold that place in my brain, right. which I think protected me from being really mad at it. Because I think I, I mean I think as we said last week, um, I totally get the the frustration with it, where like it's it's in this zone where it, it's either too close in some, in, in kind of like the wrong ways, it's too close to the anime and in also in the wrong ways, it's not different enough. Right. And so it's kind of, it's not, a lot of people are unhappy just in yeah. general. <laughs> um, but I don't know, for me, it was, uh, I, maybe I wasn't weirdly, I wasn't expecting that much out of it or as much as I thought I was. Um, even though, you know, seeing like press stuff and seeing previews and trailers and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really excited for this. Um, so I don't know. I, I was, I, and I, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I enjoyed that. I'm glad I watched the end. Um, could have, could have used more Ein, but that's okay. Uh, oh, for sure. I was, I was very, 
I was very worried that they were when that they uh, abandoned him on that planet they, and just flew off. When they off. abandoned him, yeah, I was like, oh, what, what the fuck are they doing? Like, this yeah. is, if they don't bring him back, if he doesn't come back somehow, I'm gonna be so mad. Me too. And, uh, luckily, <laughs> he found his way back um, along with Ed, uh, and everyone was real mad about Ed, apparently. And what it's like, were they at? Were they mad? Because I, I. I got that temperature read but i couldn't Mm -hmm. i didn't see anything about like why they were mad were they mad because ed was like basically a cameo at the end to to hint toward another season or were they mad because ed was too i i get the sense i get the sense that people were mad that ed was too accurate like they're like this is fucking absurd it's like what did you expect ed would be are you saying that as a person who watched the cartoon? Because that was literally what Ed was like. <laughs> right. And I think I think that it falls in that category of things where, like, you know, it's it's accurate to the anime and then, you know, to to a to a degree where, you know, it's going to be goofy and either you like that or you don't. I mean, right. that's, you know, that's the choice they made. And you don't if you don't like it, I get it. But yeah, um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't bother me. Um, uh, it, it but it did, I think. I think it held like to what you to what you said last week that um it's harder to do the the darker stuff doesn't tonally doesn't always fly because it because it can be goofy and like like it felt like when it was goofier it was it was the show was more enjoyable and like was working better yeah um than when they try to do the really dark stuff yeah and it kind of it solidified for me in the end because like I think Everything with the banter, like the crew, even though, as we said, um, John Cho as Spike Siegel was a little bit more John Cho than mm-hmm. Spike Spiegel. But yeah. <laughs> um, I still think like when the three characters, when Jed and Faye and, and Spike were all together, like their banter really gelled as the show continued. I really liked what they did with Faye. Mm-hmm. Um And a lot of that, like, and that was when it was lighter and more playful. Um, right. I think the dramatic stuff was the the emphasis they put on Spike's backstory with Vicious and with Julia. Mm-hmm. And part of why that worked in the, I think in the, in the anime was that it, it really kind of, it was a through line and it was kind of where the whole show ended, but it didn't feel like that was the plot. Right. That was a plot amongst many. Right. Um, and here it, it very much became like, oh no, this is this is the show. We're doing period like little episodic diversions with cases or whatever, but like the show is entirely about like the syndicate and, and Spike's, you know, history with them. And and because they had to build that up in a way and not have Spike die at the end because <laughs> they want to have another season. So it right. didn't end the way that, you know, um, they they changed a lot of it. They they built up kind of the relationship between him and, and vicious and, and, and I didn't mind that they emphasized all of the syndicate stuff, like the backstory shaded that in, that was all great. I think where I had a harder time was um, all of that was very serious. And especially with the changes they made to the Julia character, it, that didn't work for me, which kind Mm -hmm. of became a shame because it became the focus of the show and it was the least interesting part for me. Right. Um, but in a weird way, because I, I like you, like I, I actually did binge the show, but it was my first time watching it, like right before watching the live action. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. it, but it didn't have this sort of long lasting like, 
I've been obsessed with this for years. It was like, right. no, like I, I enjoy it. It was, it was good. I enjoyed the show, the, the new one, like, you know, I didn't think it was perfect, but I, I enjoyed it. I think that I'm, I want it to have a second season because they've more or less ended the syndicate storyline. Right. Which was holding it back. And I'm like, okay, no, now I would actually like all of these characters to find their way back to each other and like proceed because it, it might actually be more its own thing. Right. Um, so it's one of those where like for all the flaws and kind of, you know, everything, what people are debating about the first season, I'm like, it gave me enough that I, I want it to go further mm -hmm. in the hopes that it gets better. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I mean, I think I think that there's a... I don't know. It, it's it's always going to be tough to to adapt something that's this beloved. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, whether... Yeah, and, and I think I think being free of that, of the syndicate storyline, um, or at least, you know, the, the arc of the, uh, of the, uh, anime was, right. um, would, would free them up to do, you know, that's when like people were like, like some of the complaints were like, oh, they didn't differentiate enough. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's trying to be too faithful. Uh, and, um, I think that, yeah, if, if they're given the opportunity to, to, chart a new course with these characters it'd be you know then they can just lean into the fun of it and you know create yeah. something uh that people i think people might yeah might enjoy more yeah and i do think like the syndicate would still be around because now julia would be the head of it right 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 but it's like you can't because that is you have now gone completely off the rails of the original it's like you're not going to sit there and be comparing or waiting for it to fall back in line right it's like you can just more easily accept that like okay none of this is based on what came before. Right. Right. So. Sorry, guys. Thanks for huh? letting us nerd what? out on that. Oh. <laughs> uh, I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I appreciated that. I've been waiting to talk to Dan about that for a while. <laughs> also, I really like just, I mean, to reiterate what we said last week, uh, uh, Mustafa Shakir and Daniela Pineda were both great. Yes. Uh, as uh, Jet and Faye. And um, yeah, no notes. At least no notes. Me. They can yeah. keep doing exactly yeah. what they're doing. I'm I forget. spot on. I'm spot on. I forget the dog's name, but great job. Great job. Um, Ed will be a make it or break it if they do continue. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, that was exactly like the cartoon. And that will irritate a lot of people. Yeah who were also irritated that Ed wasn't in the first season, which I right. think is going to be really funny. Like no one will be happy. Right. <laughs> um, and John Cho, you know, I, I've come to accept his version of Spike and I, I, the suit looks great and just, I hope he, I'm fine with it. Just keep doing it. Yeah. <gasps> well, speaking of shows that they're just going to keep doing, <laughs> It's time for another installment. Is this the last one, or is there one more episode? No, there's one more. Okay, this is the second to last, uh, second to last installment for now of Into the Sinkhole. Yay! Plonk. With Dustin. Plonk. Uh, Dustin's weekly recap of the hit NBC show La Brea. Uh, it's probably got, I don't know, it, it was the first show renewed, so it's probably got like 80 million viewers a week. I, who knows? Num those Nielsen numbers, no one can make heads or tails of them, but 
what we do know is that the show is coming back for a second season, and uh, Dustin is going to tell us about the penultimate episode of season one. Uh, uh, the the penultimate episode was kind of, it felt like the first part of a two-part finale, and also uh, the promo for last week, at the end of last week's episode, pretty much gave it all away. Um, basically, they have to get Isaiah, the little boy, uh, to uh, the top of a mountain so he can get into a time portal so that he can go to 1988 and become Gavin. Um Okay. <laughs> who, 33 years later, will marry Eve, who will then fall into the Librea sinkhole and help Isaiah get back to 1988 to become Gavin, her husband, who she has to, yeah, very circular. Um, so the whole thing is about getting uh, Isaiah to the, to the place uh, and there's lots of danger and uh, obstructions, and it's basically sort of an action-oriented cat-and-mouse game until they get there. The only new thing we learned this week is that when Gavin uh, came up in 1988, he came up with a little girl with him. Um, and this week we learned that that little girl is Lily, uh, a character in 10,000 BC who will grow up uh, and 33 years later uh, uh, we'll meet Gavin who was Isaiah and uh, give him a map of all of the um, time holes that are going to be opening up around the world that is given to her by Rebecca Aldridge in 10,000 BC after she jumped out of a plane in the present to go into the time hole and give her that map. Which we saw. Yes. This is the segment where when I'm driving in my car listening to the podcast, I like raise my eyebrows and shake my head. Like, the whole time. like what? <laughs> Last week, wasn't it like a Civil War chest and there's a, a chest of heroin that yes. someone's going to sell when they... I'm oh, like, yeah. what in the hell am I... But you know what? I like this because I know Dustin like deep, deep, deep down in his heart knows they're going to tie it all together perfectly in the end. That's how right. Is, how is the heroine doing? The heroine has been forgotten ever since they they found the Civil War gold. The doubloons and, or whatever? Yeah, and the cow from the 16th century. Wait, they the found bark. a cow? Yes. <gasps> Duh, Tori. Oh my gosh. Uh, obviously they found a 16th century uh, cow. Obviously. God. In 10,000 BC. Right. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> Obviously, all of this totally makes sense. I can't believe I didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it's crystal clear. The show is, uh, you know, like, what's that German show that we watched, Tori? Dark. Dark, yeah. It's becoming sort of like a dumb man version of that, where, like, everybody in the present is going back into the past, uh, and their actions are causing... The future. The future. Yeah. Yes. But will any of them become their own? Oh, God, because there was that one. Oh, man, in Dark, because you had, yeah. One of the women was the daughter of her own mother or something. Or no. Yeah. Her daughter think? became her mother. God, I hope it. I mean, are they going to get into some of the really deeply weird generational issues? They might eventually. Yeah. But I mean, Natalie Z is hanging out with kid, her husband. 
Right, exactly. Like, and she and she knows that's her husband. That's her husband. Like she's gonna have two kids with that kid. Right. She and knows you know, this. The teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows that it's, it's her husband now. Because Rebecca Aldridge came from the present to tell her that. And there's and, also also like a teenage couple and you know they're going to have a kid in like the second season and that kid is going to somehow get into a time hole and grow up and uh, come back and or is it's Rebecca Aldridge right <laughs> it's, it's a character we've known the whole time right it is they're doing they're doing dinosaur dark yeah they're just sort of yeah hmm. but it's They're, you know, the continuity is good, except for the Rebecca Aldridge thing, which is sort of, uh, Rebecca Aldridge, you might recall, uh, when, before she jumped into the time hole, she told uh, Gavin to go back to 1988. Yeah. And figure it out. Um, which means, and, and that meant to go find Ella, who had the map that she gave to Ella when she was Lily in 10,000 B.C., but how did she know she did that? Because she had not yet jumped into the time hole. Had well, but then how did she know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. So at some point there was a conversation that happened, and she knew what she needed to do. Because otherwise, how would she know to tell Gavin to go there in the first place? If unless she knew that that's where he came from. Oh yeah, but how would she know that? There was a conversation that happened at some point. Is what I'm saying. But who would have told her that? Well, maybe she knows Ella. But, of course, if she knew Ella, she would have just said, go find Ella and not go to 1980. Like, But Ella, like Gavin, had no memory of before she was adopted. So they had no memory of being in 10,000 BC. I'm still stuck on the fact that, because I remember when you originally said that Rebecca, like, jumped into the time hole. And in my head, she got spliced as it was closing and she was just like a torso <laughs> hanging in the air. So every time you continue to talk about her, I'm like, wait, she's still alive? Like she didn't get squished. Um, well, just, so I'm know, one half of her. Yeah. Well, and that's where I'm like in my head, it's a half a person that's like hanging in midair, giving all these like very important uh, background notes to everybody. Um, which is the problem when I only know the show based on what you've said, because I can only then I just insert my imagination. Maybe someday I should just watch this show so I can more accurately participate. Oh, I don't know if it's worth all that. <laughs> well, um, I have a question for Thor. Uh, Thor, yeah. since since you have listened to a uh, longtime listener of Dustin's uh, Into the Sinkhole oh, yeah. Uh, segments uh, has he made you more or less likely to watch the show well listen this is my my view of this is is clouded by my love for dustin who <laughs> who <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> more more than anything what i like about it so i call it narcotic tv there are certain shows that are they're just narcotics they, this uh manifest travelers uh i'm confident um travelers nobody so good though Nobody on staff has any idea uh, how to close any any single dangling threads, and so what they do is they trick you. Lost is the same way. They have they have no. That was the granddaddy. Lost. Lost was the one that formed like the the the, the skeleton of this thing. Where it's like the, if you can ask three questions in an episode, chances are you can get 
the viewership to forget the one that carried over from the last episode. And they'll be, they'll be like, wait, wait, they'll just focus on the next three, and then the next three, the next three. And you ask so many questions and set up so many things that uh, you can't possibly answer them all. And, and that, that gets the writing staff off the hook because they don't then have to answer them. But people are content with the, um, you know, that sort of that sort of format, and nobody chronicles it better than Dustin. So it's just it's a pure joy to see him like <laughs> play, like walking like knee deep in in these shows, and like <laughs> you know, and like and like the you know hoping against hope that like yeah, they're, like they really know what they're. You know, instead of, instead of just imagining them that they're all on edibles and flipping through a thesaurus. Yeah, I, have no, I promise you they don't know <laughs> that they're tying up anything. Um, but anyway, I like the, I like the, I love the recaps. Absolutely love them. I like to think that people in, anyone in a writer's room is just brilliant. Otherwise, they would never get hired. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But then, uh, you know, we know that's, that's not true. I don't know how we know that. But. <laughs> I feel like that was a really sick burn, Dustin, but I couldn't imagine no, who that no. would be aimed at. Look, the 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 point is, is that, that comedy t- editor Dan Hamamura. The, the point the point that? is that TV TV writers are it's a it's a hard job, and uh, I don't I don't envy any of them for the uh, the complex <laughs> storytelling that they have to weave, the many masters that they must serve at any given time. It's a uh, you know, it's not easy. It's, they deserve uh, our respect. Is what I hear. You know. Also, you know, they have to contend with an audience that doesn't necessarily know, you know, a giant sloth from a woolly mammoth. That's right. true. So all right. not difficult. all problems all right. are on the back. Yeah, they do have to educate educate people. I like to think that for these shows, um, uh, you know, when they, you know, you, see, you have like a show bible. And, you yeah. know, like, oh, here's what the I got to see the Bible of, of Lost. Or I got to see the Bible. I think for these shows, the Bible is just like a like a trunk, and you open it up, and it's just full of alcohol. <laughs> or, or it's that Tarantino. It's a Pulp Fiction. It's just it's just a golden glow, and you never know what it is. <laughs> you never know. Well, yeah, they definitely bulb. don't. Right. But yeah. what do you, I like the fact that you know if we're talking about this, the Manifest Bible apparently is literally the Bible. True. It's yes. just you know a chunk of Noah's Ark somewhere. <laughs> man what did the lost bible look like by the end like all the things that they would have had to add and build to it like I, has, has there ever been a full uh, you know dustin and i always argue about the leftovers uh, because he <laughs> greatest yeah, he, show he, in television history right greatest show in television history and <laughs> i and i always get really worked up about the fact that they never explained the smoking and so it's just like this is this is like and eventually we're going to, we'll, we'll double back to this because this is, you know, if you step back, you go, two people are looking at this. Um, one of them is a brilliant genius. The other one is me. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're looking for different things out of these shows, you know? So it's like whatever leftovers was serving up is ex- literally exactly what Dustin wanted to eat. Like that's exactly what he wanted. He got, he got fulfilled in that show. Whereas for me, like it really bothered me that certain things weren't answered um, and then that affected my overall enjoyment of the show. So when we talk, I'm just going to segue to later in another episode when we talk about season two of Ted Lasso. <laughs> it's like, okay, what we, we come, into, come into the season, you know, with different expectations. And then, you know, that's how, how you, this is why you find like when you, when you find a really good 
pop culture writer or TV reviewer or film film reviewer. That's what's really nice about following someone that like sort of gets your your perspective on it, and you know that's that's the the nice thing. You're like, oh yeah, they they kind of are looking for the same thing that I'm looking for. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Do you want to know why they smoked? Well, not to not to uh, not to step on an episode that might be a month from now, but uh, that is an excellent preview, Thor. I don't know anything about the smoking because I didn't. I didn't see. Uh, oh. I, I didn't watch Leftovers. You never watched Leftovers? I never yeah. did. Excellent. I hear it's. I hear it's good. Yeah, the very best good show ever. I mean, no, but you yeah. know, it's really good. It's not The Mandalorian, Dustin. It's yeah. Uh, it's certified Pajiba's best show of 2019 <laughs> and 2020. I think I don't remember what time is like. But that I sounds right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Every and time Dustin talks shit about the Mandalorian, I'm, I'm always listening to you guys in the car, and I glance up at, like, the green highway sign, and I go, like, how long would it be for me to drive to Portland and strangle <laughs> Dustin? <laughs> <laughs> Every it's time. Just the fact that he finds it so boring, and I'm like, it's a half an hour. Can you just enjoy yourself? And of that half hour, like, eight minutes of it is credits. Yes. So. Like, oh, my God. It's just, it's just pleasant. <laughs> I like Oliphant and weirdly Bill Burr. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I'm still a little salty that they, they blew up the Richard Ayoade bot. Mm, yeah. He, yeah, well, he, that was his, he engineered it. Selfless, selfless droid. But if they bring him, if they bring that droid design back, then wouldn't it also be Richard Ayoade? It fucking better be. <laughs> I'm banking on it because I have a lot of like a lot of this is like what I put into it again from my imagination. And there is a large part of the Mandalorian universe for me that involves an entire army, a manufacturing line of Richard Ayoade bots (laughs) just simultaneously existing in that universe. Um, And again, it's a me problem. Actually, you know what? You guys made me think of something about Wheel of Time. Which is which is um, <laughs> that they do a good job with world building too on that show. You know, like what, one thing about Mandalorian is like we all know the Star Wars world, so it's like really easy. Um, but for some reason, the version of it that happens in the Mandalorian is like people just like it more or they get it more. I don't know what it is. It's but just somehow, different. Yeah, yeah it just it's... doesn't turn anybody off. Um, yeah. It just seems like really accessible. One thing that was nice about the uh, Wheel of Time world, it's like and this usually happens when you have a, a book to fall back on or a book series is like, you're just like, wow, this is, this world exists. Like this is a huge world with all these cool, you know, sort of existing things. And it feels like a world, which is, which is a credit to the show. I think when, when you feel like, okay, I'm stepping into this and this, this is an existing thing. So that's, that's also a plus. And sometimes it's a fine line to hit when it's based on a pre-existing text because there's one thing when you're when you're creating a show when you're creating a world whole cloth, and there's another thing where the world exists in this text and you have to translate it right. And so there, it's like how much of that translation is just fan service because you know readers are going to be expecting it, or or people who are already familiar are going to be expecting it, and how much of it is stuff that you're putting in because it it is necessary. And oh, for is, sure. Yeah. You know, like, and it's look at Dune. Look at like what the you know, like Dune. How how they how they sort of walk the line. Yeah. You know, between like okay, this is super creative and a, and a real unique take, but at the same time, sort of servicing. Yeah. The, the 
you know the fan base and stuff. It's fascinating yeah. stuff. And I don't mind fan service, but I also it is it's always more impressive to me when it's like they're balancing that where it's like I'm including this not just as a nod, but because like it matters, and I'm able to like I I want to insert it now, and I want to nod that this all exists, and we will build on it, and it's not just like I'm having a character mention something that book readers are gonna go like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it also starts with yeah, absolutely. And it starts with with making sure the right people are are doing the adaptation, right? Because like if they actually love it, then it's not as much. It doesn't feel like creepy fan service if they're like, right. oh my god, I I actually love this. Like yeah. you know, when I read the book, I was dying to do this one scene or make sure I put this in the in the final uh, yeah. you know script. And so. I, I have a vision for it, and it is yeah. I'm bringing that to life. I'm not just yeah. You can tell when they love the material. Yeah. Season, I would say like season seven and eight of Game of Thrones really showed that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Aww. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 but it's, <laughs> it's just. Oh. I know, I know. So oh, sad. speaking of. Yeah, so. So what are your thoughts? I mean, slight diversion, but, you know, there's going to be that prequel series. Are you excited? I'm not. I'm still. I'm. I'm not. I, I, I'll get there. I really. Will. I, I'll watch any fantasy. It doesn't matter. Like in Wheel of Time, there was this. There's this uh, sort of traveling troupe of tinkers, and tinker is like such a fantasy word. I don't know if any if you guys read any fantasy, but it's like, oh, I can't. I can't tell you how many books I've I've read where like the term tinker. Is, and I'm like, it's, oh god, traveling. T-. And sometimes a tinker is the bad, most badass fighter that exists you know it's like oh god a tinker show it depends on the series and how the each you know author sort of adapts it but um with 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 the prequel for game of thrones um and there's also the series uh, coming from uh the lord of the rings series on amazon is coming too so I- i'm fired up for for all of them in theory i just uh i'm still god i just gotta get over gotta get over the end of of the game of thrones series yeah did you actually? This is so. This is a total reach. Did you watch Carnival Row? I, I on have Amazon? not. No, oh, I have okay. not. Yeah, oh. it's a little. Isn't it a little? It's, so, I mean, I've yeah. I, there are certain things I don't put in my kitchen because I can't get them out. Like I still have like poltergeist nightmares. <laughs> like, oh. I just, like once it's it's. Cra- I know it sounds crazy, but like certain things. Once I, I'm trying to think. I the last. I just don't watch a ton of horror. Um, oh, yeah, and I, I'm not saying show. Carnival Row is horror, but it's, it's sometimes like with things that have like really twisted elements, it just gets into my subconscious and I can't shake and it. You're like knocking it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it I guess kinda, it, it was sort of like the, time, so. the fairy. It was kind of fairy penny dreadful. So I can I can understand. Oh that. yeah, no, I would probably be into that actually. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I no, you that. wouldn't. Well, I don't know if you would be, but I was curious how far you're like I'll watch anything fantasy would go because like I was in. I wanted to like that show, and it was I thought it was hot garbage. <laughs> I thought it was oh, just like okay. the most boring thing in the world. I think so like, that's why I was like, I'm it's so hard curious. to people. I, I don't know if I'm trying to think if there's anyone that's captured like the Fae properly or, or well. I don't know. I don't know if they've. I mean, I've I've watched the Dresden Files TV show. I don't know if you know what that is. Oh yeah, it's sci-fi. Yeah, like I, I'll like that has like Fae elements to it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I will watch anything. It's just uh, I have not I have not seen Carnival Row yet. Uh. No, I mean, uh, don't rush out. 
Thor had me, uh, I, I think it was a fantasy book that you had me read a few weeks ago that I loved. Is that fantasy? That's sci-fi. That's definitely okay. science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like, there were that's, like, that's like like things my, in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantasy. I mean, it's the same, I mean, you're, yeah, genre. What, what was it? Red Rising. Yeah, it's oh, a, a, yeah. A Red Rising, yeah. It's a book series I love, and um, it's been, like, optioned, and people try to make a movie of it for years. It really should be a show. And, um, yeah, no, it's great. The Pierce Brown, the writer, is, is like, one of these guys who you want to strangle because he's so talented. Like, I think he wrote Red Rising when he was 24. Oh, my God. And you go, oh, just shut up, Pierce. <laughs> like, <laughs> damn it. How are you this good? And, and he's one of the – he also is um, – I forget the term, but some writers sit down and they plan, and some writers sit down. There's a, there's like some catchy term for it, like a pants writer or a plant. I don't know. I don't know the term. But anyway, he just sits down and just goes. No outline, no plan, rough idea. And then when you read this stuff and you're like, how did he pull it? And, and Dustin, the, like, there's, I think, six books in the series, five or six anyway. And they're all good, and they all have great cliffhangers, and they all have great characters, and you just go, oh, my God. Like, so, yeah, that that's the... If I if I if you said Thor, you can adapt any 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 show and spend the next ten years of your life putting it on television. That would be that would be the one. It's fun. That and Joe Abercrombie's first law series, which I just love. <laughs> that's fantasy too. That's that's definitely fantasy. Yeah. Pierce Brown is thirty three. Yeah, with like and he was thirty-three. He was an NBC page when uh, when he sold Red Rising. Yep. Wow. That's true. Yep. Oh, screw that guy. Yeah. Thirty-three. God He's damn. a great dude too. Like great. Every time you read anything from him, and yeah, seems like an excellent guy. Like. Like, like, you know, he's the type of writer where he's like, I hope my dad likes this. And you're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I can't not like you. Uh, but yeah, he's so good. I'm so, a huge, huge fan. I think he's just like, he's just so, so, so talented. And he gets better. It's, you know, he wrote it when he's 24, the first one. And I feel like it takes a little while to get into Red Rising. Like, maybe it's just a series where I, I always am, I marvel at any series or any show where it starts out and, and it just feels like a tiny, tiny story. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, like, you're like, I cannot believe where this originated. And then it gets, you know, these huge, vast, sweeping stories. Um, and, yeah, Red Rising does that unbelievably. Well, cool. I'm enjoying it. I plan on reading the rest of them as well. There you go. Point. See? You're yeah. not a curmudgeon, Dustin. <laughs> <sighs> That's it. I love well, it. Well, now that now you've got him in the gateway, we just got to keep recommending more and more. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he'll him. get to. Eventually, he'll get to Snow Crash. Right. Stop it. I don't think that's the mountaintop, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someday we aspire to Snow Crash. I know. <laughs> Uh, well, I had a segue that would have worked five minutes ago, and it's it's not going to work anymore. But speaking of uh, shows that uh, Thor doesn't watch. Uh, it's, let's talk a little, do, should we talk about Succession? I don't even know, because we, we tend to just say, oh, we're still enjoying it. Um, Wait, hold on a second. You know I'm fully caught up on Succession, Dan. Oh, you are? Can you believe it? I did what Tori did. I watched, like, you know, like I... But you, but you watched... were like, I don't want to watch these awful rich people. They are awful Okay, rich so people. this is, this is my over, yes, and I, and I, I won't hog the, the, the no, conversation. No, do it. No, 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 no. This no, is great. We're here. I, I'm I'm really, I have a really, really, 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the pandemic. Maybe it's um, billionaires in, in penis rockets. I'm just like, <laughs> I am so fucking over, like, incompetent white people, really, really rich white people problems. I'm like, oh, my God. Can we, like, uh, nine perfect strangers... Um, the one with, uh, like your, your various, um, what's the one, uh, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and Big Little uh, Lies. that was fantastic. Like I, I thought that was great. I, so, so there are, even when they're good, they're really hard for me. And so succession, I, I was like clapping, listening to Tori. I was like, yes, I was yelling in my car because she's like, okay, like, it seems like you guys are talking about how, like, you know, the kids are trying to get control of the company and they're not sure if they can trust the dad. And I'm, like, on episode three of season one and you guys are in season three. It seems like it's still the same thing. And that's part of the... So for me, Succession is, like, so... Uh, it's so skilled. It is, like, mind-bogglingly yeah. good mm. in the writing, in the acting, in the directing, in the whatever. But it is a lot of... You know, this is like Downton Abbey had a lot of this, where it's like it's a lot of scenes with a couple people talking and not moving, and it's like real stagnant. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of like if you step back. So, so part of it is if you grew up in a family um, where you had, a, a, you know, any member of your family had sort of issues or or sort of, sort of mental illness, which is like my whole family. We had a lot of it. A lot of it cooking. And uh, so sometimes when you see it on the screen, you're like, oh, God, like, I just don't want this. <laughs> like, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Um, so with with some of that stuff, you're just like, How, you know, we have to we have to like the believability of like these kids wondering if they can trust their dad or, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, like it's torture. Is torture yeah, to watch. Like, you know you can't trust him. Like, no. Yeah, like, what, how many times does he have to stab you, like, in the face before, yeah. <laughs> before Not in you... the back. Like, yeah, just... no, no, no. Like, it's so, it's so painful and so, but there, there are characters that are great. I mean, you can't argue with how funny Roman is. You can't argue with, like, this stuff with him and Jerry and, 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 and the, um, when Greg is his, I mean, so... I don't know. There's so many good things. I mean, Kendall, Kendall is torture. Kendall is like, like, yes. you know, no matter what, it, it, you just, you just, you, you clench your butt and, and wince like, because you know, every, he's just seconds from, 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 you know, total fallout at any given time, all, all through his own, uh, his own actions and his own choices. And it's so, so yeah. brutal. So if you can stomach it, then it's like, I mean, I thought, uh, this this recent episode was was unbelievable, um, uh, but painful, par, par, incredibly yeah. painful. The director, but but yeah, no, it was yeah, no. So I mean, God, so God, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was it was uh, Lorraine Scarfaria who yeah. did uh, Hustlers. Yeah, 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 yeah the, big, she's the big birthday episode mm -hmm. and, and end of the world, seeking the end, seeking 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 a friend yeah, for the end of the world. world. Yeah, great fucking movie. I, I'm in that movie. Oh, oh, you are. I, I, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a beach scene, hanging out with Steve Carell. Ooh. Yeah. No, it's true. It's like it's pretty great. Just chatting. I have like a. a I mean, did you just extra. like? Uh, like yeah. it was, it was by plan. You didn't just like kind of show up on that beach and like <laughs> walk up to Steve Carell. Like no, was... no, no, no. I, no, I'm friends with the director, and and she just threw me in. She's like, yeah, go sit next to Steve Carell. I was like, all right, cool, sweet. <laughs> like I will. <laughs> Uh, great dude, great dude, such a nice person. 
That's awesome. Seems like it. Um, well, oh, so such. Oh, yeah, Roman. Just what the hell happened to him this week? Why did he turn into? I mean, they devil. they had started to you know create a likable character and just had to completely tank. No, that. but no, but that's the whole thing. None right. of them are likable. Right. Well, no, but he was somebody. You want to root for him, but yes. he's st- he's always been a piece of shit. Yeah, and and the oh. more that he succeeds, the more it turns him into a bigger piece of shit. And that's what all of them do. Mm-hmm. Anytime they like, it's what Kendall is on the downswing from. Mm-hmm. Roman, he, I mean, it's the perfect continuation of last episode of the last week's episode where he was making friends with the freaking fascist, right? Jason Kirk. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you continue that through line, and like, yeah, now he's he's just you know, being awful to his brother on his birthday. Um, Shiv continues to not do like anything right and and continue to hang on even though it's very clear that like like the the thing is like they all should just sell. They should just sell that like what you know when you sit there and you have Kendall you know, wondering whether, you know, what he should do with his father's thing, like the buyout. And it's like, all of you should just buy out and go live your lives. Right. And that's the bummer is that like both, uh, both, uh, Rava and, um, I'm blanking on his girlfriend, Naomi, uh, both of them, they, they try to say kind of like in the only way they can, like, Oh, maybe, maybe Maybe you should $2 billion. That's that's just pretty good. Like, yeah. You know, and it's funny because it was sort of what he, like when he first met Naomi, like when they were offering, when they were trying to buy Pierce, like that's kind of the argument he made to her, like take the money and just go have your own life. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what Kendall should do also. And I think this goes to kind of what Thor was bringing up, like the show, the, and like the repetition of patterns. Like I saw the preview for the next, or, or when they talk about like, I can't remember if it was the preview if it was during the episode, but they're saying like, you know what their next, acquisition would be or like you know their what their next chess piece is and it's pierce again right it's like oh if we lose this we're you know we'll try pierce again it's like the show it's it's the same challenges over and over and over again which i thought would be frustrating but i also think it's this really interesting way of showing that these people who have all of this money and all of this influence whatever like the ruts that they are stuck in they can't think they can't imagine bigger they can't do anything different. Well, right. I mean, Kendall's basically in the same storyline he began the series in. Yeah. Yeah, he either, yeah, he he causes a stink, tries to step away, something happens, he comes back into the fold, he, like, you know, and then he does it again. Tries to rally mm-hmm. the other kids, tries to make an yeah. alliance, they all backstab each other. Yeah. Whoever has the power at any given time will then turn it. into the biggest piece of shit you've ever seen right. and then and totally subvert any any potential that they have yeah no it's 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 torch it's it's my god Ugh. it's such it's so well written and that's what carries you through but it is it is For very sure. painful because it is and it like you were saying it's like if you know if you and I think that's what the show illustrates well is that like if you do have uh, any experience with any with, you know, people who have any sort of mental issues or anything like that. It's like you can recognize these patterns and the idea that having this amount of money or power or influence don't alleviate it. No, no. If it, anything, it, it it's just... It amplifies it. That's like and, what... That's what always blows my mind when, like, when people... It's like, I, I, if 
I never ever fail to be amazed when people are like, oh, this athlete just signed a big contract. You know, maybe he'll straighten up and fly right. It's like, are you out of your mind? Like, yeah. if you come in as an asshole, it just makes you a, and it, more it money, make... makes you a bigger asshole. That's all it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't have that foundation to start with. And these poor kids, I mean, they, they are indoctrinated into a, you know, it's like it's like a per, eternal war. Yeah, like that's all. Mm-hmm. It, it's all conflict all the time. And Zero all of their... trust. I grew up. I grew up in a house where um, uh, a lot of strings attached. So that was my personal. Th- so it's like, you know, my my dad was great, but my mom, uh, who, who's a lovely person, but she, a lot of strings attached. So she, you would say like, you know, you'd do something for her, or she, if she did something for you, you you then owe. Even if it was like never spoken, you'd be like, okay, I feel like I owe. And so like. Yeah. It took me till I was, I don't know, in my 30s to, to like, have relationships where I didn't have strings attached. And I was like, oh, my God, like, is this, does this even exist? I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that it existed. You know, like, so. You just you do just, that. You yeah. just, yeah, because you're, if you, if you're in that system your whole life, you don't even know. So, so when you look at the Roy's, it's just like every single chance they have to get out. You know, they, like, think of the money they have. Think of the influence they have. All the things they could do that are more fun than what they do every single episode. <laughs> like, riding a jet ski is more fun than anything they do on that show. And nobody... I don't. Uh, have they ridden jet skis? I don't know if they've seen No, not no, that I've seen. No. You know they what I mean? Like, they just don't time. choose it. Yeah. Go right. do, do anything, ex- you know, ex- outside of scheming and backstabbing. But, but oh, even, like, we, you know, we see Kendall throw this huge birthday party, and he's miserable. Like, it right. ends up being the worst thing. Like, they literally, uh, you know, the things that money could buy for them. Yeah, and the only, the only people there who might either care or might have once cared for him at all... Are uh, either Rava, who you know is is just being nice, and you know playing the the role that she has to play, and uh, and Naomi, who gives him a gift that he doesn't like and can't can't control himself, can't keep himself from. Oh my from, god, that was you know, so awful. I mean, oh, you know, shows awful. that she doesn't know him, but also he's not great about it. Right. Yeah, I was shocked when she was still around by the end of the night to like soothe him. I had kind of forgotten that she was, that they were dating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that is one of the things that happens. I also, so one of the things I love that the show does, and it, it happens every episode where there are interactions with the characters, as much as the show, you know, maybe it's, it is always just sort of like a couple characters talking. Like that is the whole show is just scenes of a couple characters talking. Um, but some of those conversations are so pitch perfect in the way that it's like the, the layers of, interaction of of the interaction happening um in which they are speaking the truth but also being assholes but also uh, i don't know i just i'm always marveling at the depth of some of those scenes and you have one in this one where it's just this throwaway of um Kendall wanting to impress his siblings like oh everyone's here and you know who you know who didn't come or whatever who, who, and, isn't, and here, yeah. who isn't here and it's like oh I don't know your kids your, your parents, mom, your, your mom <laughs> yeah. like you know brutal. anyone who like likes you and they're being so brutal but it's also like yeah it's absolutely true mm-hmm. and that's the thing with those siblings that is so great because they do as much as like Roman tips tips the balance to being absolutely horrible and you see Shiv realizing like she was unaware of some of the really horrible things her father and brother were doing to Kendall and wouldn't have condoned it. 
but there is a, an element of tough love preceding that where like you know the way that they show they are really horrible to each other and it actually is affection um and that's kind of you get the pre the the scene where kendall shows off those new fake newspaper covers to his siblings and, and it's, it's like, you're saying it's as close to affection as they can get. It's the only me- methodology of. they have. To, yeah, and Connor yeah. is horrified, which is understandable, but also like in a weird way. Like it was Kendall propping himself up, but it was also, yeah. I think that like that is kind of how they show affection, um, because not all. Some of it isn't that far from the mark, and they at the end of the day, like they know each other better. They're the only ones who who get each other. Yeah. Like no one else in their lives really fully understands, and it's why like you, I always love the interactions when it's, um, if Shiv, Tom, and Roman are together, Shiv is always with Roman. She will be walking with Roman, and Tom will be behind her. Yeah, good point. That's a really good point. You know, you know, there's there's um, there's a thing that happens with shows like this. Where if you see the same thing enough, you just you just deprioritize it without even knowing in your mind. You just like kind of stop watching. Like it becomes like uh, instead of being a must-watch thing, it becomes like oh I'll catch that on a Wednesday instead of Sunday night or whatever. That just sort of happens, and it's it's a real testament to the masterful writing of this show. That I don't think anyone's there yet. I think it's still really interesting and really sharp. Every every single entrance of dialogue is, is beautifully crafted. The the characters feel true to themselves. It doesn't feel like anyone, even like with Roman going off this week, and you're like, Jesus Christ, it still feels on brand somehow. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Like, it's like kind of amazing, the tightrope that they walk, and, and keep your interest uh, and still make these characters feel real. Like, it's, it, it doesn't feel like, like they've made missteps with the writing or the acting at this point. Especially considering that, you know, when you think of actual dramatic tension, nothing ever pans out. Like, part of the reason they can go through these cycles of just, like, repeating the same issues um, is because none of the challenges that they face ever become real challenges, which I think is its own testament to sort of, you know, billionaire privilege. But it's like, you know, you see that this episode where it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're toasting because it turns out the DOJ is like, you know, probably going to just let us off the hook and no one's going to have to go to jail. Right. And it's like, so this whole, the, the axe that's been hanging over their head all season, just, just that. Right. They have a sword of Damocles and it never falls. And it never falls. And it was, you know, and and, and it all happens like when it, when it doesn't fall, when they find out it's always off camera, like it's always between episodes. It's something happened that, you know, Jerry had a conversation and you find out. Which, which wouldn't work on mo- like, like which big sh- plot points happening work. off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like Dan made a point in one, on one episode about how impressed he was with Ted Lasso, like where it was either people on the phone or people were like, or looking at texts on the screen. Like none of that shit should work. And yet, you know what I mean? It's like amazing. And Succession pulls that off. Yeah, these things should be on screen. You should see these huge moments happen, and sometimes they happen off screen, and people just shrug and move on, and, and it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So, um, I thought this was going to be short, but yeah, so Succession is still, <laughs> it continues to be good, guys. Continues to be good, and um, we will 
We might have to shortchange Hawkeye, but that's <laughs> for me. That's fine because that isn't that really Hawkeye's position in the MCU. So, yeah, I mean, what is um, there to say? It had two episodes. It's fine. Two episodes. It's fine. Uh, needed more pizza dog. Um, oh, always. Uh, Haley Steinfeld feels appropriately fun, and at least to me, like, uh, like even though she's twenty two, like I thought actually she was playing more like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. But uh, but like I like how she's kind of like chipper and upbeat and kind of annoying to uh, to uh, to Hawkeye. Uh, I like she's, that. She's a really good Kate Bishop in the like balance of very. It's what her comic character was like, very mm-hmm. confident in her abilities, but also because she's coming from such a privileged background, she hasn't faced real challenge. Right. So you've got this like, yeah, I know I have all the skills, but she has no real world practical experience. Right. So it's that push and pull of being like, yeah. Um, you guys, and, any of you guys watch Dickinson by the by the way? No, uh, I watched a little bit and yeah, enjoyed it, and then never episode. went back. Yeah, okay, that's good. Dustin loves Apple TV Plus. He should be all over that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You would right? think I would. But yeah. <laughs> Any anything that gets. I have a 16 year old daughter who quotes Emily Dickinson now. I'm like, that is that is worth all the all. The oh, TV because of the show. Like, yeah, she just oh, like, loves awesome. it and like quotes it. We had a Thanksgiving. She just started quoting like reciting Emily Dickinson poems. I was like, oh my God. Aww. Yeah, because of that show. It's amazing. Um, yeah, Sorry. I mean... I didn't mean to derail it, but... No, it was, no, no. Which is good. But I think it's so... What I do want to say about Hawkeye is that... And and what the show is doing that I think is really interesting, because and they kind of have to, but it, I think it speaks a lot to people's expectations of a Hawkeye series. Mm-hmm. Um, the comics were very much uh, balanced, but but firmly in the Clint Barton. It was his comic series. Kate was the co-lead. Okay. She would show up, right? This show has cemented it from the, I mean, the fact that the opening credits are entirely Kate. Right. This is Kate's show and Clint is the co-lead. Right, right. Like, um, and I think that that's a really smart move and I think it may have been slightly unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who watches the entire show, imagining what it would be like if Jensen Ackles had been cast as Hawkeye, um, I don't mind it. Oh my god! <laughs> right? Can you imagine if this whole show was Jensen Ackles playing? Oh my god! Hawkeye, right? Like I will never get over that. Dustin would have so much more to say. Oh, oh my god, he would be super into it. Um, but anyway, so I'm I'm that is probably the greatest departure. I you, you can kind of get real into the nitty gritty about the comics or whatever. But I think the mm. biggest departure is that it is firmly the, the Kate story and it is. So Haley is the star. Right. Um, and I think that's doing the show a world of service and that's not, I actually like Jeremy Renner in it. I think it's fine, but I like what, how they've pivoted it. Right. Um, and and, and that, that makes sense with, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, not knowing what their plan is going forward, but assuming that, their goal would be to have Haley Steinfeld continue to appear in Marvel properties and Jeremy oh, yeah. Renner can, you know, retire. Hawkeye Do can whatever. retire yeah. and, and come back when they want him to. Yeah. Um, I just think it's like, because they've, they've sort of established the idea of the next generation for a lot of, of these mm-hmm. characters, but this is like a real clear, like, I mean, you can't really say, I mean, I get that. I know Falcon and Winter Soldier was a very clear handing 
passing off of Captain America. It was a show about how he becomes Captain America. Like, I get that. Right. Um, but he was an established character in his own right to begin with. Right. I think um, they've been introducing the idea of protégés a lot in Phase 4. Um, but this is the first real, like, no, the pro- protégé is center stage. Right. Right. Like, this is 100% her story. Um, right. And so little things. And, and part of it is by necessity. Just because you're taking, if you were to take the plot of the comics and and try to wedge it into where the MCU is right now, you literally can't. Like, the comic was about Clint living in, I think, Bed-Stuy and owning, like, it turned out that he took all of his money and he just bought a brownstone and was, like, kind of a landlord on the side. (laughs) Um, But he didn't have a family. He didn't have any of that. So they kind of take that that run-down apartment and and hand it to Kate because it makes sense Mm -hmm. for a kid. Um, So they, you know, so they were able to fit the aesthetic if they just literally lifted everything that made it his, everything about what what the comics revealed about his life and just kind of, like, dropped it on her. (laughs) Right. And he's the interloper coming in to help. Right. Um, And he's Um, a dog. And Pizza Dog. And also, I forgot that uh, Linda Cardellini was was his wife. I forget every time. And then she and shows up and I'm like, I love you. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> delighted. I'm like, oh, it's great that you're here. And also, why are you in such a small part? But also get paid. So, you know. Yeah, get that money. Yeah. She should be doing more. She should be doing more. But, you know, if, if uh, she flies down to Atlanta for a couple of days of uh, hanging out with kids talking on the phone then uh like do yeah. it yeah um dustin did you watch or thor did you watch i watched yeah yeah uh um it was good it was fine it you know there's just it didn't feel essential and i think i think we're getting to that point in in the mcu where you know we will be able to pick and choose shows and and still be able to keep up Mm. Yes. So when when Mephisto shows up and you haven't watched Dustin, you're gonna be very upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh wait, I do. Sort of. We talked about Mephisto a lot in your Loki recap. Um, no, it was uh, Wandavision. It was Wandavision. Wandavision. That was Mike oh, okay. in Wandavision. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, because everyone expected Mephisto to be the villain, mm. and then he didn't show up. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, so who knows? Maybe he'll show up this time. I mean, this one has the potential for tie-ins. I don't know if it's going to be the kind of... If they're going to push it over the top of being, like, essential viewing. Right. The good thing is that... Or, I mean, good or bad, I guess, depends on your point of view. But the, this story feels like it's very much designed to be, like, he's going to... He just wants to get home for Christmas, right? Right. So he, he just has to beat up some bad guys for the next three days and then disappear. Um, so so it's uh, w- just by that, I mean, like, it's a very small contained story relatively um, and doesn't have to have tie in if they don't want to. But I'm sure they'll they'll tease something. Right. So. Well, because, you know, that at some point um, Florence Pugh's Yelena is coming for him. Like we saw that in the end credit scene from Black Widow. Oh, so yes, we she, did. She, yeah. We did she see that in Black Widow. Yeah, if you watched it. Yeah. If, if uh, definitely watched that 
movie. <laughs> so yeah, theoretically, Julia Louis-Dreyfus told her to go kill Clint because Clint mm-hmm. is why Natasha died. And so with, if she's leave, behind leaving, then that's got to happen. In this is series. he leaving though? Well, he said, "I'm done for now," or yeah, "Bye for now," or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably time. I don't, you know, I think it's great. I actually, you know, I think Marvel could do with a little bit more non-essential viewing, like the idea of being able to, it's like the comics. Like if it, if it expands enough to the point where you can just decide which parts of the universe you're interested in and only have to engage with them, I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm excited for phase four is like, as it's blowing up, it will necessarily get to the point where it's like, I don't have to watch everything. There's so much. There's too much. I mean, I feel like I have to just in case anyone ever like, you know, assigns me a movie to review and I'm like, I have to have like seen everything else, you know, just, I mean, I'm not that that would happen, Dustin, just, Mm, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, But in general, like what I liked about the comics was I could choose to like, I only care about the X-Men. I'm only going to read X-Men comics. Like, I don't care. If there are tie-ins to that, I will read them, but I'm not going to, like... I don't have to care about every character that Marvel is publishing. Um, And I think we might actually be approaching that in the film universe, which is interesting. Like, if it actually mirrors the comics in that sense of, like, everything kind of ties together, but it's less immediate it's more tenuous you can kind of decide to not be obsessive about it and just follow the things that you enjoy and as far as that goes i enjoy hawkeye i like that it's just like a christmas show with like banter it's uh yeah i was it reminded me a little of the uh kobe smolder show that got canceled michael ely just i I, in tone i think oh yeah that remind you of stump town yeah yeah Just like in, in this sort of like, I don't know, sort of action comedy, but fun to watch, but not like serious. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was not serious <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, and Vera Farmiga, like what? I know. What the? Yeah. Like, what is she doing? I think she might be a villain. That's what my wife said. She's like, oh, she's bad. Well, in the comics, she is. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, fascinating. I'm All pretty right. sure, yeah. All of them are. Of course. Everyone is. It's a well, fun... Thor, do your kids watch all the Marvel stuff? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Do they have favorites? Like, are there things that they're more excited about? Or are there thing? Are they happy about all of it? Or do they kind of get more like ugh, maintenance viewing? I guess I'll watch this. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's like the air they breathe because it's oh. it's been ubiquitous their whole lives. That like they're the MCU is basically for Gen Z. It's like oh yeah, it's never, been there the been whole there. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. it's it's like uh, you know when you had seven year olds. And they would say, like, oh, I've only had a black president when Obama was in office. You know, it's like that kind of thing. They only have seen yeah. uh, one thing. And it's always been, like, their entertainment world dominated by MCU tentpoles. So I, they definitely have their favorites. Um, but they're not comic book readers, so they don't have, like, the, you know, the sort of background that a lot of people have or a lot of millennials have. So The issues the rest of us have. 
<laughs> just like the history and the you know there's there's like passion involved in this, especially like you know people who grew up at Gen Gen Xers and I guess it's baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all it's baggage. So do you ever to- blow their mind and be like, hey, let me show you about the time Tobey Maguire was Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> they just think that stuff is campy as hell. Like, they're just like, oh my god, like is this no. real? So, oh man, like I think about that. Like you know, like we're trying to have a kid, and I sometimes think because I get ahead of myself naturally. Like how would I introduce entertainment to a child? And I'm always like, yeah, like there's stuff that's happening around us contemporaneously, but like, like I would almost be like, no, like don't want, like I want you need to see what Sam Raimi did first. <laughs> But before you see that, you have to see Army of Darkness. But before and you see that, you have to see uh, Twin to. Peaks. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a given. Right. That's just natural. Um, With the MCU, my kids are like, I mean, they've seen them all, but they're not like, they like the movies and they like them uh, a great deal, but they're more interested in sort of like the drama of who's going to replace who. And who's coming next? And they sound they sound like the kids of a of a internet writer, a pop culture mm, writer. Perhaps, but they will just sit. <laughs> they will sit and and have like hour long conversations about who should be next, or who should be the leader, or um, uh, who should replace who. Hmm. Mm. I saw somebody like online talking about how uh, because they just didn't so. They sort of announced that Tom Holland, like, there's going to be more Spider-Man movies with him. Right. Right. Um, and so then people were like, and people are already speculating about, like, what the next trilogy of Spider-Man movies will look like and who should play Gwen Stacy, because obviously they'll have to introduce Gwen Stacy. And it was like, they want uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. And all I could think of was like, okay, I know that New Mutants doesn't matter. But she was great as that character, and don't oh. just put her in a different character. Just like find a way to keep that one character from that terrible movie and fit her back into like all the other movies. I don't know. Chris Evans was able to do it, right? No, no, no. But that's the whole point. Like yeah. I didn't need him to be Johnny Storm. I actually want her. Oh, okay. To be mm-hmm. um, oh whatever her name is, I didn't, I didn't see New New Moons. Nobody did. Except she was Corey, she apparently. was magic. I finally watched it like a year later. I still haven't magic. seen. Uh... Wait, what show was that? Was that Humans? No, New Mutants. Oh, uh, the, the, movie. the oh, weird sorry, okay. like attempt at a horror movie that that they did. Oh yeah, no. And then it kept and Fox kind of buried it. Yeah. Uh, also, Tori, I just want to say for the record that I appreciated your wordplay of uh, people who have issues. And none of us laughed at it at the time, but I didn't intend it as wordplay. But now that you've mentioned it, see because it's because because it's psychological and issues of comics. Yes, that was absolutely what I meant. I usually I usually roll my eyes at wordplay, and and uh, people on on staff at Pajama know that I hate puns. But I do think you guys missed a golden opportunity uh, naming it um, into the. What's it called? Into the sinkhole with Dustin, as opposed to what was it like? Celebration? <laughs> Celebration? Oh, no. What was that? <laughs> oh, First time I heard that, I cracked up. I'm like, oh, that is so painful. I love it. <laughs> on that note, I feel like it's time to end the episode. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Before you end the episode, oh, I, got, I have one thing I have to ask. Yes. Anybody watching Survivor? Yes, I am. 
Uh, can we talk just about the last episode? Really? Oh quick? my god, so good. It so was great. good. We should have been talking about this the whole time. I don't know who's running this ship of fools, but <laughs> everyone had the oh. well, Tori doesn't watch Survivor. And no, but everyone, I love hearing about Survivor. Everyone oh, had Tori. the opportunity to I used to watch it. To add to the document. No, no, um, I, it's my fault, Dan. I'm no, no, like, not this, a good typer. Shan I'm setting like, a timer. Shan was like <laughs> five, five minutes. minutes. Shan was like my favorite character from the outset, and then then she got she got to be too much. And yes. Kind of turned into a villain there. Oh, she was a villain from the beginning. It's just but she's I, a villain that you enjoy watching. Well, I didn't feel like I, she was a pastor, and I was like, oh, what's going on? This. Pastor but she introduced herself as a pastor who's gonna be sneaky and evil. Yeah. I know, but you know. She's told you who she was, Dustin. Yeah, I know. I yeah. hear you. Believe her. <laughs> I kind of wanted to go, wanted her to go further so that it would be more satisfying when she got voted out. But that was a really, really good. Oh episode. God! Mm. Do you guys realize that we're in? Uh, I think it's ten episodes so far, and you know the the Tori this season. What they did was they. They're sort of rebooting. They're like, hey, you know, season 41. There have been 40. This is literally 41, 41 seasons. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like stunning. But um, 41 seasons, and they're sort of like, okay, there's all these new wrinkles, and there's you don't get food when you start, which only lasted like seven days anyway or something. Well, whatever. yeah, but like, and then, but still. And then, hold on, hold on. They, okay. they, they also... They also put all these uh, idle wrinkles in. Oh, these these you know activated idols. If two other pe- people say weird things to travel, anyway, we're we're in the tenth episode. There have not a single idol has been played this season. Really? Like they haven't oh. found them? Think about it. There's not a, no, no, no idols. they found them. No, two people have gone home with idols in their pocket yeah. because they didn't realize <gasps> they were on the chopping block. Yeah. Oh, that's great though. That's the best when like people just don't can't anticipate what's going on or do you think that that makes it less interesting this is the question there's there's different factions i mean like a lot of people would say oh it's really great to have these new twists and other people say well the the real beauty of survivor is the human element the human quotient where you know it's just about old-fashioned backstabbing and lying (laughs) to people's faces and who can pull it off in the social game there's also this Go I ahead, feel like Dan, sorry. all the twists no, no, give them more opportunities to for the human element. I don't know. Like one one thing I don't like, I'll say is like that it's so obvious that everybody knows who has the idols. I really don't like that part of it. Right. You know what I mean? Except like, oh, one episode where uh, uh, what's his face had the fake idol and she was like going to take it from him, and that was wicked cool. That was and, great. Yeah. yeah. Xander. It was Xander had the uh, Liana was going to take the idol from Xander, and he had a fake idol, and he played it all up. It was great. That was fantastic. The editing in that episode was great. Um, but the fact that when you know two people go to the island, and they they're going to get an advantage of some kind, so you know everyone's got advantages, and they're just like, okay, this is the steal an idol advantage. This is the uh, activated idol with three other. Adv-. It's like it, for me, it was a little much. And then, sure. and then I thought, so there's also this other element where. There's like a new happy, like friendly Jeff Probst. Have you noticed this at all? So at, at Tribal, he 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 like breaks the fourth wall and he's like, "Let's talk about Survivor." And you guys think we sh- I should say, "Hey, come on, bring it in, guys," or should I? You know, I'm like, there's like this new yeah, yeah, yeah. element that they're trying to go for. But where what he used to do was he would say like, if someone was in in deep shit at Tribal, and and 
he would be like, so, uh, you know, you're, you're in deep shit. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. And it would spur on this crazy stress at Tribal. He's not doing that at all anymore. He's just friendly, nice. It's just, a, it's just a departure. So really interesting anyway. That's also, though, that, that feels fueled in part by the fact that, like, people are, people are trying to, like, everyone's like, oh, I'm definitely on the bottom. Oh, I'm also on the bottom. Like, you know, people are being pretty, like, the gameplay is, I feel like, more, because everyone's a, a fan of the show. So, like, everyone's more, their gameplay is generally more sophisticated, even though. And yet, they keep going home with Isla. Well, right, because no you're, you're starving and, and you're losing your mind. Well, I know, but everybody goes to tribal thinking they're safe and no one bothers to play their goddamn idols. I mean, I think it's fascinating this episode where uh, I don't, I, I guess there's a, I, I'm, I'm just not enough uh, a student of the show to know this, but there hasn't been enough representation of, 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 of sort of different, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really know. I know, like I read an article about how, how um, you know, it was just basically too many white people, but I thought this one episode, I was like, oh, this is so fascinating that you could have this sort of unbreakable alliance of four black contestants. And they were fighting, they're struggling in those confessionals with like, oh, I want to support the culture. But, you know, that would be really important. But also, I got to play my game. I'm like, this is amazing. They just fucking broke that up. Oh, shit. Let's get the hell out of here. That's five minutes of Survivor. All right, all right. Um, you guys can get one final thought in, and then we gotta go because we got we got yeah, stuff yeah, to I do. In the I, it's a good season, I think. Although I don't know how good it's gonna be without Shan shaking shit up. Uh, Ricard's pretty good. Okay, final mm. thought is who are you rooting for? Uh, like, who do you think is gonna win, um, and who do you want to win? Danny is my favorite. Yes, he's my favorite too. But I do kind of feel like Ricardo might Ricardo might pull this one out. He is evil. Yeah, he's Count Rugen. My yeah. favorite now is Ricard, actually. Oh, really? Uh, he, I turned around on him. I was, I wasn't a fan at the beginning, but he, he grew on me. Uh, and as far as when, when he decided to slash his uh, closest ally's throat. Yeah, yeah. That was, and that was, was honest about it, and I like how he called out Deshaun. I like Deshaun a lot too, but he was like, I, "He's lying to my face, and I don't respect that game." I'm like, I, "Oh, damn, he's a good player." Like Ricard, I, I worry. I, I would love to see Ricard win. I worry that he's going to be too much of a target and doesn't have enough people backing him. I I think if I if I didn't pick Ricard to win, I think it could be Xander. Because he's he skated by at the bottom yeah. the whole way. He has he still has his idol, and he's like he's clearly a lot smarter. Like at the beginning, he seemed just kind of dopey, but he's clearly a lot smarter than people I think realized at the beginning. Uh, I think he's also a challenge threat. So like he could he is he could he could kind of just be like that guy in the middle that like there are two factions fighting, and he just kind of like flips back and forth until all of a sudden you're at final three, and well, he's had an idol in his pocket too. Right, and so he has that, and then you get to final three. He hasn't offended anybody. He hasn't pissed anybody off. He like survived on the bottom, and that's impressive. And then like he's sitting next to like I don't know Heather don't know. and Deshaun, yes. and like people are mad at Deshaun, and no one's going to vote for Heather. Right. And then you end up with Xander. I think also I don't know if you've noticed this, but the 
there's a weird propont you know for a show that's like trying to reinvent itself there hasn't been a single new challenge this season they're all mm-hmm. every single one is recycled and mm-hmm. there's I, I'm amazed because Danny is a professional athlete who's flying under the radar. He's totally under the radar. He's not on anybody's lips as a threat. And he's a pro athlete. Like, this guy is like a superpower. Well, do but, they still know? Do they know that? <clears throat> I, no. Well, I don't know, but the guy's a monster. Like, he, he's so physically right. fit. But one something that helps, like, the Ericas and the Xanders uh, of the world, the Ricards, is, like, it, there's been a real... Uh, there's been a ton of um, endurance challenges instead of like things that would allow Danny to physically, you know, dominate. So right. Oh, and well, this is this is something that actually I, I I'm stealing from the uh, the Ringers Survivor podcast, which is hosted by Tyson Apostle, who's been on like four times and won. He was on Winners yeah. at War, but he he said that the dirty secret about the challenges is that the strong phys- the big strong guys never win. Because especially when you get to individual challenges, so many of them are about endurance and balance. And so it's not about, you know, being the strongest, like, in yeah. terms of, like, pure no, lifting. 100% strength. right. Yep. Yeah. That's what I keep seeing. They're, yeah. they're, like, the last few have just been, okay, stand here and balance a ball mm-hmm. or stand on this uncomfortable position with your arms above you. Like, you got biceps like Danny. That's, that, that ends real fast. Yeah. So, I, I, think, I think Erica might, might steal it. I don't know. Oh no! You don't think so? The funny thing is no, that no, everyone I mean, she might. That would just be very disappointing. Everyone keeps on saying Erica's sneaky, and, I, and they've they've never shown it. Yeah, I haven't seen. So that. it's just like, like why does everybody hate what? Erica? She just seems like kind of quiet and nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the show. We've gone way over, uh, and we have something to do in a month. I blame um, Tori. That's it's Tori's fault for talking too much. Uh, thanks uh, to Thor for being our special guest tonight. Uh, finally, finally, finally coming out of the woodwork to. And uh, <laughs> yeah, have a good night. Good night, everybody. everybody. Ooh. <laughs> or good day, whatever.